It's the IndyCar Show, Burnout Sports, BurnoutSports.com. Tony Donahue, Luke Edwards. What a show we have for you, and I'm glad we kind of waited one extra night to record this, Luke. Uh, we will talk about Toronto. We'll do a small recap on our time spent together at Mid-Ohio a little over a week and a half ago. But damn if we have some news to discuss here, Luke. <laughs> um, there have been some rumblings, some rumors about Alex Pillow, the defending series champion, what he will do for the 2023 season. Will he be with Chip Ganassi Racing? Then rumors swirled that McLaren and Zach Brown have had contact with Pillow about bringing his services over to Aero McLaren SP to join up with Pato Award and Alexander Rossi to make up what I believe, and you probably believe as well, Luke, will be a super team in 2023 so let's start with this earlier on tuesday afternoon chip ganassi racing releases a statement and i will read it they have extended and exercised the option on alex Pillow through 2023 it announced today Pillow won chip ganassi racing's 14th indycar championship quote alex's track speaks track record excuse me speaks for itself said team over chip ganassi He's a proven champion and one of the most formidable drivers in the world. We are very excited to continue working together. Polo, quote, it's a great feeling knowing I'll be back with Chip Ganassi racing next season. The team welcomed me with open arms when I first came in. Then a few hours later, Luke, McLaren announcing that IndyCar champion Alex Polo will join their team. And a quote from Alex, I'm extremely excited to join the driver roster for such an iconic team at McLaren and to be able to show what I can do behind the wheel of a Formula One car and an Indy car as well. We'll see what doors may open. I want to thank everyone at Chip Ganassi Racing for what they have done for me. Now, look, Burnout's had this. Some other, other places have had it as well that McLaren has gone after Scott Dixon. McLaren obviously went after Alexander Rossi. That deal became official earlier about six weeks ago. Felix Rosenquist about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, gets extended with Errol McLaren, but not announced what series he would race in. Everybody kind of thought, all right, more than likely it will be Formula E, which obviously now seems pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered for Felix to go to Formula E. Um, But Luke, what I'm reading here to me is that And this is my opinion. I don't want this to be misquoted. I don't want this to be sent elsewhere. This is Tony Donahue's opinion, is that Chip Ganassi got wind that McLaren and Polo have had these discussions that have been rumored, um, then found out that he was going to leave Ganassi at the end of the season, regardless if it was a buyout or not, to go to McLaren. Ganassi gets wind of this and says, hey, let's send it out that we're going to exercise his option because we have the right to do that. So now Zach Brown's more than likely going to have to write a pretty hefty check to go over to Chip Ganassi Racing and say, yep, Pillow wants to be with us. We want to be with Pillow. We're going to make that happen in 2023. How big does this check need to be? Which I think personally for the remainder of the year uh, is makes things at the 10 team with the Alex Pillow and Chip Ganassi and, and, and that entire crew a, a bit awkward. Knowing this guy has decided that he wants to leave. Uh, from whether it's for more money, whether it's for a chance to get a super license and go to Formula One, whether it's to have a Formula One test, or whether it's just to be a part of a super team in 2023 with McLaren. Um, nonetheless, 
And Ganassi has came out again and said, uh, an official, I think Jake Query, had the quote that, hey, we sent out our quote today, that's where we are. So more than likely, Luke, to get this situation started and to get things panned out for 2023, Zach Brown, McLaren are going to have to write a pretty hefty check to Chip Ganassi Racing for the services of Alex Pillow, the defending series champion for the 2023 season. Yeah, and I mean, this has been a day full of dramatics um, and, and misquotes. I mean, the Indy star got called out when Alex Pillow came back on, came back to Twitter and said, you know, what an unfortunate deal. I'm going to McLaren. And they quoted him as saying, it's a great feeling knowing I'll be back with Chip Ganassi racing next season. The goals will remain the same and we will continue to work relentlessly achieving them. He said, that didn't come from me. Alex Pillow tweeted that screenshots never die. I've got them all here. Um, mm -hmm. He said, I did not approve of that press release. I did not author or approve that quote. As I have recently informed Chip Ganassi Racing for, for personal reasons, I do not intend to continue with them after 2022. The other thing that stood out to me was AMSP, the IndyCar team, their Twitter, they retweeted a McLaren official tweet that just as vague as can be, it says McLaren welcomes IndyCar champion Alex Polo to its driver roster for 2023 as the team continues to build talent across all of its racing series. What in the hell does that mean? What's going on? I mean, is it a three-car McLaren team and Rosenquist goes to Formula E? Maybe. Or... Is there something going on with Danny Rick or reserve driver? I mean, is that in the realm of possibilities? That's all I'm asking. Are we sure that this is the Indy car ride? And and if we are, what's the evidence behind that? Look, and I think what we learned today for sure is nothing's for sure until, honestly, Luke, until I see said driver strap in said car uh, at St. Pete next year, really. Um Obviously, what seems to be going on is that Felix Rosenquist is going to indeed move over to Formula E. And I don't think Alex Pillow goes to Formula E. I don't believe he has enough super license points as of yet, despite being the IndyCar champion. I mean, he, this guy's never even tested a car. Now, that can all change when um, Formula One goes to Coda later on this year. And, you know, Herdo will probably test or be in a, one of those open free practices. You know, maybe there's room for Polo as well. Um, first and foremost with Alex Polo, he is a talent. He is a top five talent in the sport. I think we got glimpses of that in that Dale Coyne car that first year, the pandemic year of 2020. You give him a, a, a relatively a full season last year, he wins the championship. He's been good this year. Has he been great? No. Uh, is he on caliber, on, on point to win this championship? No. He's still right there, but do I think he's going to win the championship? No. Um, Aaron McLaren is basically saying, look, we want to challenge Penske. We want to challenge Ganassi. We're going to go get who we want that we think is going to be able to make this. Now, how many layers of the onion is there to this, Luke? As far as, okay, Zach Brown, Michael Andretti are pretty good friends. Andretti wants to go to Formula One. All right, well, is Herda going to go there? 
is her going to go to McLaren for Formula One if Daniel Ricciardo decides that he's not happy and moves elsewhere? Doesn't maybe Daniel Ricciardo go to Andretti Autosport for Formula One? I mean, there is just so many rumors that comes from all this that we'll have plenty of offseason, hopefully, to dive into when it comes to that. Um, but, Luke, what it looks it's like crazy. right now is that Aaron McLaren in 2023 is going to consist of Alex Pillow, IndyCar champion, Pato Award, the hottest young driver in IndyCar, and Alexander Rossi, who has won the Indianapolis 500 and is hungry to prove that he still belongs uh, on the top step of the podium in IndyCar. I don't think we're done with this. You know, whether it comes out before Toronto or after Toronto, um, there's still going to probably have to be legal proceedings. I'm no lawyer. I'm not that smart. Um, but it seems to me there'll be a contract signed uh, for Pelot to go to Arrow. And then there'll probably be a pretty big contract signed, or excuse me, pretty big check signed by Zach Brown over to Chip Ganassi saying, okay, yep, here we go. We're going to give you, I don't know what it is, $1.52 million for the services of Alex Peloso. Uh, more thoughts from you, Luke, on, on pretty much what the hell happened here uh, early Tuesday evening. Well, like McLaren said, they're going to announce their full driver lineup in due course. Um, so it just sounds like this was kind of a standoff situation. And once the first bullet was fired and, and those articles went out from CGR that everybody just kind of had to start firing their weapons and they're not ready to announce anything yet. Like you said, I'm, I do think it's probably three McLaren cars and Rosenquist at formula E and Pelo stays in IndyCar. You're right about the super license, but I, I'm waiting with bated breath to see what they do with testing with Formula One for the rest of the year. Um, that, that would be just such a big, unbelievable move. But my thoughts now transition to the 10 car at Chip Ganassi. What is going to happen there? Alex Plo is the first driver in the 10 car to win a championship since uh, since Frankie, correct? Um, yep, you know, Canon won a race at Fontana. So who's going to replace him? Well, the rumor mill has been going around. You've been hot on the trail. There's been rumors of VK. They've been looking at him. Um, I mean, I don't think it's going to be Stingray Rob. It, it might be, but at this point, I wouldn't be surprised by anything. But the thing that Chip Ganassi has to do is make sure that they get a championship contender, at least a driver that they can develop into that in that 10 car once again. You don't want to go back to having some quagmired car um, you know, trying to trail around with Dixon. You need somebody that can support Dixon and, and learn from him so that you can have two people in contention all the time. And maybe I'm just saying that from a fan standpoint, but I hated those years of the guinea pig with Tony Kanaan and the, him being on some off strategy. And then even Rosenquist seemed like he always got the raw end of the deal. So who is going to be in there? Is it going to be VK? Is he going to leave ECR and hop into that number 10 seat? Well, I think we know that Scott Dixon is staying, right? There was rumor mills that maybe something comes up, yep. he retires. Dixon is obviously staying. Marcus Erickson, over the last 365-plus days, has cemented himself as, right now, the number two driver. I think an Indianapolis 500 win is bigger than an, than an IndyCar championship. He's won multiple races on, on, on different disciplines of tracks, um, streets and ovals. I do think it's going to be Renus VK. I, I have been told this. Um, now, Renus has a team. Uh, Ed Carpenter Racing has a team option on 
Renus VK, and those negotiations, talks, whatever, I think can start uh, officially on the book on August 1st. So I don't know. I haven't wrote, I haven't written a check in years, but can Chip <laughs> take that check from McLaren and then CC it over to Ed Carpenter Racing and say, Renus is the guy that we want? Unless some crazy craziness happens that I don't see of like Grosjean not being happy at Andretti and he ends up going to Ganassi, which I don't think is going to happen. Could happen. Never know. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Um, there is no better option out there of a young, talented driver than Renus VK. And Luke, you and I talked about this a few weeks ago. Renus has the talent. But on top of this, Luke, this is a chess move to say team Penske Roger Penske is not going to get Renus VK at the end of the 2023 season because he's already going to be with us and we're already going to have him wrapped up at a two to three year deal now what have we learned contracts are meant to be broken uh and to be bought out so if I'm at Carpenter I probably have a have a leg up on somebody like Chip to say hey well you know we kind of you you just saw firsthand how this can go down um, we're going to need a little something, something if you're going to want Renus VK. Then who goes to the 21? Is it Colin Mylot, which I think would be the next best option? Um, is Stingray Rob ready yet? Probably not, although his family um, and sponsors want him to move up. You know, Linus Lundquist, who's leading the Indy Lights, is more than likely going to move up next year with that scholarship money for a third team with HVM slash Dale Coin Racing. There really hasn't been anybody else uh, that's been a major standout in Indy Lights. Um, as you know, I'm a big fan of Christian Rasmussen. I still think he's a year away. Um, you know, are we for sure, Luke, that Colton Herta is going to be in that 26 car next year? More than likely he is because it doesn't seem like that Andretti move to Formula One is going to happen by 2023. Um, but there's just so many what ifs. I don't know. And look, in the. That, that that ten car man, I I mean, you you could almost do a gamble. We have I don't think we've really seen what Lungard has. You know, can you steal a Lungard or a yeah. Kirkwood? I think those are two well, drivers going that you're never gonna see. Right? Oh, that's so, tr- that's Kirkwood right. Is- that's right. Sorry. Um. So so yeah. so Kirk. I mean, trust yeah, me. Lungard. This is this whole thing for this whole thing for everybody is. I just your, got thrown your scramble. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, no, yeah, so, you, I mean, it's all good. This whole thing has Lungard been a crack is day, right? Consistently, yeah, it, it's he's mm-hmm. he's up there consistently, and we've seen the results of the rest of the Ray Hall team this year. Unfortunate results. Do do you grab somebody like him and say, hey, now we can put this support around you, we can put the team around you, and the strategy around you. You're going to have the best setup cars. You're going to have the best strategy. Let's see what you can do. I mean, when they were more on form last year, he really impressed everybody at his one race at the Indy GP. So, I I mean, that 10 car is just going to be the biggest domino to fall. And let's not forget, even though we look at the 10 car as kind of that second or third Ganassi car, it is the defending championship seat still. Yeah. So that's that's a big, whoever lands in that can win the 500, can win a championship. Well... And I totally agree with that. Um, you know, the dominoes to fall are who goes to the 10 car. And if that person in the 10 car is Renus VK, who goes to the 21 car? And if that's, let's just say, Colin Mylot, that's just my opinion. That's There's nothing more than just my opinion there. Who goes to Hunko's Hollinger Racing, who wants to move to two cars? 
the 14 card, that seat is open, don't forget, with Kirkwood yep. going over to Andretti. Tatiana Calderon, you know, brought Rocket, and she's out this week at Toronto and is more than likely going to be out the remainder of the season. Um, Kellett's still there. Do you go and say, all right, well, there's really nobody in lights that's ready to move up with money. Hey, ABC Supply, you know, Sexton Properties, we have a relationship with J.R. Hildebrand. Does Hildebrand come back for a year full-time? I mean, this is by far, Luke, the craziest IndyCar silly season that we have ever seen. And we haven't even reached August 1st. I mean, we're talking the dominoes that have already fallen. You know, we thought the Andretti drama was a shit show at Mid-Ohio. Now there's this. And with this guy going here and this driver going there and where can this driver go, we scratched the surface. There's no doubt about that. We have scratched the surface in this. But there are still a lot of questions to be answered. Because like you mentioned, Luke, there is a championship quality seat that is now open at Chip Ganassi Racing. And if that goes to VK, there is a race-winning seat available at Ed Carpenter Racing. So there's mm-hmm. some good rides, is what I'm saying, available for the 2023 season. A season that I think, Luke, will see three full-time Ed Carpenter racing cars on the grid for every race. Obviously, Ed on the ovals, Connor in the 20, and then whoever's in the 21 car. I think there'll be a deeper partnership and an extended partnership with Peretta Autosport with Simona Di Silvestro running all the road courses and possibly the Indianapolis 500 in a fourth at Carpenter, let's call yeah. it satellite team, as we know what they've been doing. Um, but Luke, yep. man, this is nuts what's going on and what is still to come as far as seats being open for the 2023 season and beyond. And the tempers are flaring too on and off the track now. I mean, this is this is professional out and in fighting. I mean, it's public now. You have to remember basically every tweet that these people are sending, these drivers are sending is essentially vetted like a press release um Mm -hmm. so yeah there's anger there's frustration there might be a little bit of uh (laughs) there might be a little bit of strategy here to what they're letting the public see in fact i'm almost certain there is from the cgr side um i believe that was a maneuver i don't think that something that big goes out as an accident i don't think that you send it to the papers as an accident i think that this was a hundred percent uh a chess move and if it wasn't then i mean who let that slip out so it's just reminding me of where we are in indycar today this is a raw rough sport i I mean the only thing that would make this juicier is if we could have like contract numbers like dollar amounts like we do with baseball and the nfl and and we saw that on the table i would love that that would make this so much more exciting of course racing is more complex because you have associate sponsors that you bring personally sometimes you have different racing deals but you know that a lot of money is going to have to change hands here we still don't know how much chip ganassi is going to fight this that's another thing and then like you said on track at mid-ohio i mean we have drivers that are in their final contract years that are pissed off at their teams we had all four Andretti drivers smash into each other. One of them is in the end year. He's in his final season going to McLaren Rossi. 
is, is slamming into Grosjean. We still don't know what Grosjean's whole hand in all of this Formula One stuff is. It's all tied in with McLaren. And if you keep looking at the eye of the storm of this hurricane and all this craziness with the silly season, it's kind of McLaren. I mean, there's so much surrounding Aero McLaren and IndyCar and drivers trying to go over to McLaren. And it's just kind of this weird marriage slash rivalry between Michael Andretti and Zach Brown and McLaren. There's a lot of duplicating interests. There's a lot of confliction. And I think there's a lot of uh, tempers that are about to flare on a street circuit. Let me ask you this. And, and again, there's just so much to go in so many different directions. Um, how does McLaren look coming out of all this? And I'm not talking about their driver lineup with Polo, Rossi, and Pato next year. Do they look like a villain in IndyCar? The fact that they've kind of poached Rossi away, you know, despite where the contract is. Um, they pretty much have talked to Polo, even though Ganassi. Do they look like a snake in all this? I think they look aggressive. And I think it's going to be... I think this is going to be a catalyst into a love them or hate them type of relationship with the fan base. And I think it's going to bring in more fans. I mean, they aren't afraid to make some waves and cause some drama in the paddock because to your point, they want to win the Indy 500 and they want to win a championship. They don't want to be second fiddle or an up and comer anymore. They're saying we're here. We've been here this year. We're tired of, of, being like the new kids on the block. They want to establish themselves. Pato has been there every year at the 500. Rosenquist had speed at the 500 this year. Their team is getting more and more consistent, and they are fighting some bad luck. But the move to grab Rossi, the move to try to get Dixon, this move with Polo is blatantly saying, we will take the best. If you have the best on your team, the business side of our operation is making enough money and making the correct deals that we can go out and poach your guy. What are you going to do about that? And I think this is exactly what IndyCar needs, by the way. We need teams that are a powerhouse that say, we will pull the money. We will have the money here. We will pay our drivers more. These guys should be getting paid more than they are. We shouldn't have as many people struggling to find money and sponsorship that have all this talent. McLaren is saying, we'll go pay the talent. That's what I take out of all this. And if you don't like that, then I guess you have a new favorite villain. You know, I think Chevy plays a role in this as well, right? It's no secret that McLaren has gone out and got two top-tier Honda drivers now and Alex Pillow and Alexander Rossi. Um, I, I don't know what that what – that, garage what that hauler what that pit box is going to be like this weekend at toronto for alex Pillow on that 10 team um obviously it's not personal with those guys and alex is going to do what he has to do he's got a, he's got great representation roger yasakawa a guy that i've had many conversations with um but you have to think luke it's going to be a little bit awkward and and i think you know i think the results will suffer the remainder of the year for that 10 car and alex Pillow. this to me and it has nothing to do with his talent or his drive, but this to me eliminates any small chance that he had at a championship. I don't think he'll win a race now this year, uh, even though he's been close. I just think that this really screws things up in that chemistry department when it comes to the 10 team because it's a grinded out season in IndyCar, whether you're winning races or you're running towards the back. You go from the streets of Toronto, 
tough physical race north of the border. Then you go doubleheader at Iowa. That's tough on everybody. Indianapolis, yeah, you're at home. Two-day show, still tough. Nashville, St. Louis. Um, this just, to me, spells disaster for that 10 car and that 10 team the remainder of the season just mm. because that bond, I think, maybe a little bit of trust has been broken. Now, regardless of who got it wrong and what PR person sent out the wrong thing, um, I think that it's just that's it for the 10 car this year. I don't, I don't, I don't, and I could be wrong, but I, I just don't see them uh, winning a race. Now, obviously, we're going to learn over the next couple of weeks, Luke, who goes where, who else leaves, what other dominoes are still to fall again. I reported this last month that I have been told that it is very likely that Renus VK ends up at the 10 car. Um, here's what I'll say, and I don't, you, this may sound like I'm covering my own ass. Uh, but this is covering everybody's ass as a journalist. Some things that we are told, one, could very easily be deflect, change something, get somebody else talking. Two, what could be true on June 10th might not be true on July 10th or August 10th. For perfect example, I mentioned a few years ago, Marco Andretti leaving to go to run, or to go and run Formula E or IMSA program or whatever Andretti had there their toes in and would stay on and run the Indianapolis 500. That was true. That was true. And it was told to me by somebody who I believe 110% would know. Then Zach Veach goes to church and meets Dan Towers from group 101 and Gamebridge. And all of a sudden nobody, and I'm telling you, nobody knew what Gamebridge was. All of a sudden is now sponsoring the Indianapolis 500 is full-time sponsor of Zach Veach, then obviously on to Colton Herta, and is really the catalyst driving behind uh, getting Colton Herta and, and, and Andretti to Formula One. I mean, they they met with, uh, it's not Celine Dion, it's something Duar, some, some handbag or fashion company that I have no clue what it is because I'm a TJ Maxinista, and I couldn't tell you the difference between Michael Kors and um, whatever this brand is. I guess it obviously brings in a lot of money. So things can change is my point. Things things happen. Things differ. It happens. Um, but man, it's been crazy, Luke. It's been a lot of fun. And it just shows, one, what you and I have preached since our first episode back in January. The competition level in this series is second to none. And it's nice to know that, you know, when it comes to talking to Formula One for the first time and how long, probably almost a lot of people's lifetime for the first time, we're talking about rumors of IndyCar drivers going to Formula One as opposed to what has become the norm and washed up Formula One drivers ending up in IndyCar. So, um, man, Luke, it's 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 been crazy. I'm going to let you have the floor to wrap up anything else that you would like, and then we'll move on to Toronto coming up this weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's still – I guess the final thought is wait with bated breath fans because we haven't seen this Jacques Villeneuve or this Juan Pablo Montoya situation since then. So yeah, we've seen Formula One drivers come over here and fail in the last couple of years. We've seen Formula One drivers come over here and be competitive in the Indianapolis 500 and win the Indy, Indy 500. Let's not forget Marcus Erickson obviously came from Sauber just a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, that's, that's going to be the biggest domino to fall is is essentially going to be the performance 
of said IndyCar driver that might make it to Formula One, but it looks like the inroads are there. You already have McLaren being very obvious that they're saying, hey, we're making pathways for Pato, and then that deal kind of went south. We're making inroads for Herta, and in due course, they'll announce what's going on with Polo. I think this is just the beginning of IndyCar reaching new heights that we haven't seen. I mean, this is the best series in the world. It's obvious that the talent pool is has eyes from what worldwide is considered the top form of racing in Formula One. Well, the talent pool is here. This is where they want to get their drivers from at this point, uh, at least some of the bigger teams. And the world is watching IndyCar. And if you look at the just the, the level of competitiveness, especially at Mid-Ohio last week, Everything you could want in a sport is right here. We've got teammates running each other off the road. We've got money drama. We've got Twitter drama. What else do you want? What else do we need to do to get IndyCar on the mainstream map? And yes, it sucks that this week's race is on Peacock. It 100% sucks that this race is on Peacock. But we do have a race this weekend coming up. Um Looks like IndyCar just came out with this. Ganassi, McLaren, both lay claim to pull over for 2023. So um, there's going to be articles that come out over the next week or so, different things, different quotes. So I guess we should all just stay patient. I mean, we knew that Polo was being poached by McLaren. Um, you know, everybody asked me, well, what, you know, what car does Renus end up in? Uh, maybe now we know. All right, Toronto this weekend, um, difficult. There's a lot of drivers that have never raced here before. The VKs of the world, the Pelos of the world, the Pato Awards of the world. So some of these guys that are in the championship contention have never raced at Toronto. The race comes up on Sunday. Uh, that is on Peacock. If you don't have Peacock, I think you can get it for $5.95. And you could probably cancel it yep. after a month if you didn't want it. But it's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth your time. Um, I think number one, when you go back to a street course for the first time in a very long time, Luke, is the fact that we just don't know what we're getting into. This is a tight racetrack at 1.7 miles. Uh, looks like 27, 26, 27 cars are entered. Tatiana not entered this week. Neither is Simona. Tight track, tight pit road. Drivers, mostly half the field have never raced here before. Uh, I definitely think the veterans, the Paginos, the Dixons, the New Gardens, the Powers will be those guys up front coming up this weekend. Yeah, I've got to say, um, you know, looking at your top three, you, you look at Marcus Erickson. He's had one start here because guess what? Canada hasn't let us party up there since 2019. So Erickson, the last time we saw him, first of all, cars didn't have the aero screens on them. You had Rosenquist in the Ganassi seat. You had Simon Pagino in his Indy 500 championship season with Penske. He goes on to win the race. Your podium was... Um, Pagano, Dixon, and and Rossi, um, and let's see what else was different. Oh yeah, you didn't have Pato Award or Alex Pillow, who are also in your championship top five. Um, so Marcus Erickson, championship leader at the moment, had a dismal race there. But then again, his average finish in that season was fifteenth. So I don't think we have any idea what's going to come out of him because I think. In all honesty, he was cutting his teeth in IndyCar, and that seat was struggling. That team was struggling because they didn't have 
the McLaren partnership like they do now. Um, let's see. Will Power. Um, I think Will Power is your winner. I'm going to call that right now. He's Look at his street courses this year. St. Pete third, Long Beach fourth, Detroit most recently first. He's got his street courses together. That program is looking strong. He's looking strong, obviously, all season. Um, he, he's got, a, let's see, seven top fives and seven top tens. That means when Will Power is in the top ten, he's in the top five. So he's going to be there. Um, he also ran two races in the cart back in the day. So he's got, let's see, how many starts does he have? He, he has two starts, 06, 07. He won in cart in 07. And he's won twice in IndyCar. I mean, average finish is kind of low because his last three races, he did struggle. He's crashed in two out of the last three races, uh, 21st, 18th, and then 21st again. So I think this is it, though. I don't care about those last three races. I don't care about 16 or 17, 18, and 19. I care about what he's done in street courses this year and his shows. Uh, New Garden. New Garden has had 10 starts here. Um, he got uh, he got fourth in 2019, the last time we were here. He went on to win the championship that year. So this is kind of, you know, mid-Ohio and Toronto this year, those kind of big streak breakers or momentum chasers. Like, this is a very crucial race in the championship. You want to stay in that top five finishing order if you are in the top five in the points right now. Um, but he's been all over the map had a terrible St. Pete, you know, for him. He finished 16th. One in Long Beach, Detroit, he got fourth. So it's kind of a it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, looking back at Marcus Erickson, the championship leader, he had a decent, you know, top 10 St. Pete, got ninth. Detroit, top 10, got seventh. But Long Beach, if you remember, with, what was it, 19 to go, he was running P3 and took himself out, put himself in the wall, and then almost took out Dixon, too. So out of those top three, I'm definitely going Will Power. I think your dark horse, though, um, you know, I hate to go with Pato or Pelo. Uh, McLaren kind of, I thought they were going to have at least a double top five last week, and that went kaput and then went kaput for both of their guys. I'm going to go with Rossi because in the midst of all this craziness, Rossi's the one that had a clean-cut deal. He... I think he's performing better after the announcement. Um, I mean, other than the, the stuff at Mid-Ohio, I just think overall he seems a little bit more consistent. And uh, he's got a really high average finish there. I mean, um, Scott Dixon looks good as well. His average finish is 7.2. I don't know. Who, who are you thinking? Because I'm really kind of last week has just thrown everything off and now there's all this drama if if all this hadn't happened i probably would have gone with alex Palau. you know for me i would be shocked and you could say this every week right you could certainly say this every week but i think at toronto i'd be shocked if your winner wasn't one of these three drivers new garden power and scott dixon i think one of those three drivers will be your winner on sunday three o'clock peacock um, my dark horse is Connor Daly, and here's why. He's been really he's been consistent lately. He hasn't had those craptacular finishes like we like we've seen in the past. He's he's pretty good on street courses. 
He does have some experience at Toronto. And I think there's a lot of momentum uh, riding behind Connor right now. All those drivers that we mentioned, the Pelos, the McLaughlins, the O'Wards, I think Erickson has the best chance of, of finishing top five at a driver that has never ran at Toronto before. Um, you know, he, he still has the points lead, although Will Power has gained on him since Road America, or since his win at Detroit, and then Road America and Mid-Ohio, although Will Power ran the race of the day at Mid-Ohio, spinning and coming up to finish third. Erickson still had a serviceable day finishing sixth, so I do think Marcus uh, will, will have a top five run this week. Um it's going to be interesting to see. I, I do have my eyes on that rookie of the year battle. I think Colin Mylott, as you mentioned earlier, has been very consistent, very good. Does he maybe uh, flex his muscle a little bit, have a good run this weekend, and then a rumor mill start maybe flying? Do we know what's going to happen with Jack Harvey next year? Do they give him a second year? Because this year has mm. just been absolutely craptacular in that 45, and we can get into that um, a, a, another time. So um, that's who I like. Real quick, championship contenders. Right now, Luke, who is your champion uh, at the end of the season, knowing that Power is trailing Erickson, uh, followed by Joseph Newgarden, who has some very, very strong races coming up over the next few weeks? I'm also going to go with uh, with old Angry Bird, Will Power. Uh, he, he's just so consistent this year. In that run at Mid-Ohio, I picked him as my dark horse. He was starting back in 21st, and I was like, I, I think there's something here. He's going to find a way to get up through the field. Um, so that third place finish in mid-Ohio, I, I think he's got the legs on Erickson. Uh, Erickson is a phenomenal driver. He's definitely underrated in the paddock and not talked about enough. He's just simply kind of ignored, even though he's leading the championship in the Indy 500 champion. Um, but no, I, I still think this last run, like you said, it's grueling. We've got... We've got a street course. We've got a short oval. I just think this championship has got Will Power's name written all over it. Being in second place and looking mm -hmm. at the rest of the schedule, I think it suits him. Um, I could see him and Newgarden leapfrogging Marcus Erickson. But you know what? Every time we say that, what does Marcus do? So <laughs> I'm scared to doubt him. And, and, and but, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I, I would like to see Erickson win because I'd like to see a new a, a new champion. But, um, you know, I would be remiss to say, like, okay, well, Joseph's going to Toronto. He's won there twice, even though we've had six out of seven races at Toronto uh, result in different winners. The only person that's won there twice since 2014, I believe, or 2013, is Newgarden. And then, oh, then you come to the road course race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which has been dominated by Team Penske and Will Power. But Joseph Newgarden does have a win there. Oh, then we go to Iowa, where Tony Donahue has been convinced since they announced that, that Joseph Newgarden is going to win at least one of those races, if not both. Oh, then you got to go to Nashville, his home track where you know he wants to win. Oh, let's go to Gateway. Guess who's won there? Joseph Newgarden. So, um, yeah, it would be remiss for me to say that Newgarden isn't going to win this championship, despite having a few tough finishes, not a very good month of May, which has kind of hurt him. Scott Dixon's right there as well. You know, we keep forgetting about him. And if it wasn't for that crappy run, that, that late pit stop that screwed him over at Indianapolis 500, he very well could be the points leader. If not, definitely top three in the points. So if Dixon can get a win and continue as the leader in the top tens and turn those into top fives, I do think Dixon can be there 
Um, but he still he still needs to win a race and has a long way to go. All right. Um, real quick, we were both at Mid Ohio. Uh, did some cool videos there. Great weekend. You had the jumpy trucks. Um, Scott McLaughlin, as Luke called, breaks out of the slump. Um, I'll, I'll give you mine first, but my perspective of that race is awesome. I drew. I, I drove up with a friend Saturday. We got the camp. Um, Graham Rahal, Scott McLaughlin, Joseph Newgarden came by our campsite. Um, the people I was staying with had some power bikes. We rode them all the way. I mean, through the pits. Um, my buddy's nephews got their picture with Grosjean and Connor Daly that they wanted that I walked them back there on the podium. I just, I really liked Mid Ohio. I love Road America for the scenes and how close you can get and the actual track. I do love Mid Ohio. Um, that, you know, the keyhole's great. Yes, they're great. But I love Mid Ohio just for how nice the facility is, how nice the people working are. Uh, the cool old school garages are badass. Um, so I had a blast in Mid-Ohio. I'm yeah. sure you could say the same for yourself, Luke. Oh, I mean, we're going back next year. It's not even a question. It's yeah. I love that atmosphere. It's just you drive out in the middle of nowhere and you're like, there's no uh -huh. way anyone's going to show up to this. And then there's like a, a small city. And honestly, like, I, I don't know how you, you said something earlier about like, how do we bring IndyCar to that next level? I think it's all about perception. And when I went there, if we can convey the actual crowd that's there, that's a fun crowd. You're in the middle of Podunk, nowhere, Ohio, and that is a fun crowd. That was like a carb day crowd the whole time. I mean, honestly, a lot of young people. Um, there were a lot of kids everywhere, but a lot of people our age, a lot of 20-something-year-olds having a good time partying it up, and it's so easy easy to like get around there and, and you have a good mm -hmm. view anywhere you go like the crowd was just huge it was massive yeah a tv does not do the elevation changes justice either so that that was just cool to see i mean if you want to see race cars go on a roller coaster this is it right here and it's very accessible too i mean if you're a fan you can you can get good seats pretty much anywhere you can sit in the bleachers I am definitely going to do the mound, though. I think, you know, after the keyhole, that little section, um, I forget what corner it is. I guess corner is like five, six, seven or something. Those mounds, man, we went there during practice. If you get there early enough, you can set a tent up at the back. or You can be down yep. on the slope right where they go through the elevation there. And, and that's right where the big passing zone is, too. So tons of action, man. I mean... I don't know how many times we saw cars kicking up dirt, but that's that's definitely one of those races. Like a lot of times I'm like, man, I'd rather kind of watch it on TV. It's actually a better experience to watch it on TV. No way with Mid Ohio. You gotta be there. Yeah, we ended up venturing over literally when they kicked us off the grid. So the Indy boys and I, and I know you left a little bit earlier to go to the bleachers, um, walked up and down the grid. Got some cool photos and videos, as you saw on Burnout's Twitter and Instagram with drivers climbing in. We shot across and ended up getting right there in the S's, kind of standing back behind everybody uh, for the start of that race. So, yeah, I love Mid-Ohio. Got free rally fries. Got a free little Jimmy Johnson die cast. That's the first Jimmy Johnson mentioned on this show, by the way, um, on this episode <laughs> at least. So, uh, yeah, I, I had a great time. The camping was great. The fireworks show was awesome. Um, it's the third time I've been there, but that's the best experience I had as far as making it a two-day event and staying the night. All right, um, 
some news and notes here. If you missed the interview with Marcus Erickson that I did last week, the Indianapolis 500 champion, be sure to check that out. Um, speaking of Mid-Ohio, had a great experience with Mario Andretti. I had found a sealed box of 1994 high-tech cards from his retirement. Found them at the Melody Inn. Shout out to my buddy Ty Cobb. He had a show playing there. Uh, he is heading up uh, with his band Huxley, um, the Colton Herta show in two weeks from Thursday at the Melody Inn with the Zips. Um, so if you missed that video, Mario and I go down memory lane. Um, if you're a racing fan or an Andretti fan, that is certainly must watch because it was a blast. He really opened up um, just about what he saw when he looked at those cards. Um, Luke, snapshot ending at the museum. Uh, tell folks when the last day is there and what they can expect in the future out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum. Yeah, so uh, we've got a new exhibit opening up um, on the 26th to the public. It's called Sleek, and it's a helmet exhibit. So we've got old helmets. Uh, we've got current driver's helmets in there, some really big names. And then we have artist helmets from, you know, local artists around Indianapolis. Um, that <laughs> I've been photographing them and taking some video of them. They are very unique. Like, I don't want to give anything away, but we kind of let them go ham on this. Uh, some very mm -hmm. conceptual, odd, avant-garde designs. Um, yeah, we're still running Roadsters to Records. So if you haven't seen it, get out and check that out. It's it's a crazy story about all this change that happened in a 12-year period from 60 to 72. 19-mile-an-hour uh, jump in speed from 71 to 72. And we've got the pull. Uh, we've got the record-breaking Bobby Unser car in there, the Olsen Eye Eagle. Beautiful machine. We've got some pretty eclectic machines in there that you've probably never seen before, too, including one barn find. Um so yeah, we're we just also released an episode of Restoration of Resto on YouTube and Facebook. Um, so that's where we take you behind the scenes and you get to see us run some of these old cars. So in this most recent episode, we got to have some fun with two March '86 C's. One of them being Bobby Rahal's winning car. So if you want to hear some old turbo V8 IndyCar engines rev, definitely go check that out. Let me put you on a spot real quick before we go uh, on the IndyCar show here. Some of your favorite uh, driver helmets of all time. Oh, man. Uh, Danny Weldon's were always cool. He's He always had a new helmet, like, every single week. Um, and yep. even when he had, like, the NOS sponsorship, I thought those were pretty cool. And normally sponsor helmets are not the coolest. Um, yeah. I would definitely – put Tony Kanan's up there. I, I like also when a driver has like one consistent design and like his orange stripes. I love that he finally went back to that, the blue and the orange. Yep. Yeah. Um, to me, I'll have to find the story out. I'll have to call my buddy, Packy Wheeler, uh, who's still spotting or maybe even Ryan Briscoe. Um, Weldon had great helmets, especially in 11, but he wore Ryan Briscoe's helmet to qualify. I don't remember I think somebody might yeah. have told me, but I don't remember it off the top of my brain. So I'll have to go back and uh, for the next episode, I'll make sure I have the answer to that on why he did that. Um, he was trying Lion out Rye, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Okay. Yep. So maybe that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, and I think um, it was a last-minute thing. I, I'm just going to – that's my bet. So I'll put $5 yeah. on that. that that's, that's what Packy says. But, yeah, I saw that because he'd always been a bell guy. And then he, he yeah. wore an awry – in victory circle you can see in the race it wasn't a rye helmet 
Well, I think Packy was working for Bell back then, so maybe he won't give us the answer that what we're looking for. But to me, <laughs> Lion Dyke comes to mind, as we know, just that iconic blue and red Netherlands stripe on his helmet. And like you said, really enjoy right. when those drivers always keep it consistent despite um, what their car is. Simon Pagano had a great one a few years ago, which was a tribute to Ayrton Senna. Um, Thomas Schechter's, to me, was great because it, it was always the same with the diamond and the South African colors. Um, but, yeah, Jill mm-hmm. DeFerrin, Elio Castro, and some of these guys uh, that come to mind with, with, with just awesome schemes so, or, or, you know, helmet schemes for that. So, all right, Toronto this weekend. We'll have a burnout bet show coming up with Mike and I. Uh, that'll be via the Twitter spaces. So, Luke, we'll let you know what that is. Feel free to hop in if you'd like. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe here to Burnout Sports on YouTube. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. For Luke Edwards and Jarek Spartman, I'm Tony Donahue. Let's all calm down, take a breath, focus in, uh, swallow (laughs) down all this news, and get ready for Toronto coming up on Sunday. Enjoy the race coming up this weekend, guys, and thanks for watching.